Good morning. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 35, on page 1048. Page 1048. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go into war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the order is still a long way off, and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but, it, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for soil nor for manure hip. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks, Tammy. Hi, everybody. Are you sure you want to be a disciple? Are you sure you want to be a disciple? It's quite striking from Jesus' words here that he seems to recruit disciples less like a YouTuber and more like the army. So a YouTube video will always include the words at some point, like and subscribe. Whatever the YouTube video is about, whether it's lifestyle or sport or cooking, like and subscribe. Because a YouTuber's um, money comes from advertisement. And the more followers, the more subscribers a YouTuber has, the more the advertisers will pay. So like and subscribe, whoever you are, without condition, however little your commitment to me, like and subscribe. The army recruits people quite differently to that. Uh, It's not about just getting anyone and everyone for the army. Rather, it's about whittling down the people who aren't really committed, who don't really have what it takes. They've got a really um, intense interview process that uh, someone in our membership has actually gone through recently, uh, where recruits are pushed to the limit and only 50% ever get through. So, um, Jesus' words here, recruiting disciples far less like a YouTuber and far more like the army. Um, 
This isn't the only insight we get into how Jesus evangelizes. Elsewhere, he's way more kind of come one, come all, everybody come and uh, receive the invitation, the grace that I offer. However, consider the setting on this occasion. Verse 25 says that large crowds are following him. We're still at the point in Jesus' life where he's very, very popular. There's lots of people that are very interested in what he has to say. And we've noted before that whenever a thing becomes popular, there are always going to be some people who jump on the bandwagon. There are going to be people who wear the band's logo on their T-shirt and yet aren't able to name any of the lyrics. And Jesus is concerned that some of the crowd are like that. They, they like following him, they like listening to what Jesus has to say, but they're not really committed to him. So he turns, he speaks to them, and in effect, he asks them, are you sure you want to be my disciple? And all of us do need to think about this question. Uh, maybe you've only just started coming to Christchurch, Christchurch Banstead, um, If you have, brilliant, we love that you're here. And the relevance of this is going to be particularly striking for you. You're part of our community here, wonderful. We're great, Uh, it's great that you're here. But maybe you're still making your mind up about what it would be like to follow Jesus. Listen in. Um, But for all of us as well, wherever you are on your journey with the Lord, this question is important to consider. Are you sure you want to be a disciple? I don't know about you, but my brain still works in like academic years, and our church program follows that pattern as well. So for me, this is like my last sermon of the year before uh, going on holiday, and then September, New Year, and the New Year kind of stretches out before us. What's it going to be like? Full of challenges, full of joys, maybe. What's it going to be like to follow Jesus in uh, that New Year? Well, here... Jesus gives us a sobering reminder of what it's going to be like to follow Jesus in the year ahead. This is what it will take. And are you sure you want to be a disciple? Um, To help us think through this question, uh, we're going to consider three people that cannot be a disciple. That's a, a phrase that gets repeated in these verses, such and such, cannot be my disciple, cannot be my disciple, cannot be my disciple. So I'm going to give you a warning up front, it's going to be quite heavy going, but we'll have a little bonus at the end and uh, we'll consider whether the cost is worth it. All right, the first person who can't be a disciple, what do they say? The first person who can't be a disciple says, I won't carry my cross. Uh, Verse 26, you can have a look down at it if, if you like. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Oof, hard words. Um, Jesus seems to have been a little bit down on family life lately. Last week he says, don't invite your family round to dinner. And this week he's saying that we have to hate them. Um, Harsh. Now, my intention um, here is not to diminish Jesus' words, but I do think it's important that we understand a particular Aramaic turn of phrase 
here. Um, When there is a contrast between one thing and another, to hate one of them simply means to choose the other. Uh, Let me give you an example. So if I say to you, um, without any other context, I hate Diet Coke, which I do, um, that would speak of my personal animosity and utter rejection of that drink. However, if I said, using this turn of phrase, I hate Diet Coke and choose full-fat Coke, with this turn of phrase, that would speak nothing of my personal animosity to Diet Coke, only that I have chosen full-fat Coke over it. Uh, It's a way of giving emphasis to one choice over another. So it's not a command to hate your family, really. Um, So we might uh, paraphrase Jesus' words here as the one whose first allegiance to their family, the one whose first allegiance is to their family rather than me cannot be my disciple. As Christians, we have obligations to our family, absolutely. But the true disciple's first allegiance must always be to Jesus. I've known believers who've been told by their unbelieving spouses I don't want you to come to church anymore. I don't want you to go. I want you to stay home with the family on a Sunday. That's a hard position to be put in, isn't it? And wisdom's required there. You don't just charge out the door. But for a true disciple, there is only one answer. I'm sorry. My first allegiance is to Jesus. Um, But there are also less dramatic ways that we can demonstrate that Jesus comes first, even before family. Sometimes um, I might be praying and my little one-year-old will come over and he'll, he'll grab my hands. Um, actually, he was doing it during our prayer uh, earlier this morning and uh, he'll like, be like moaning for my attention. What am I going to do? If I immediately give him my full attention and stop praying and I repeat that, over months and years, what am I teaching him? I'm teaching him that he is the center of my world. So no, I'm, I'm going to keep praying. Uh, I'm going to finish my prayer. It, it might be a little bit of a shorter prayer than usual, but we need to show that Jesus takes first place. Our children, parents, siblings, and spouses need to know that Jesus comes first. I'm sure there's a million other ways in which you might demonstrate that. Perhaps that's something to talk about with other families afterwards. But notice it's not just about family. It's not just about family. Jesus says if someone chooses even their own life over him, they can't be his disciple. The true disciple knows what they have signed up for. Um, Following Jesus means walking discipleship road all the way to heaven, and that includes the road up the hill called Calvary. That includes up the road where Jesus was forced to carry the instrument of his own execution all the way to the place of his death. Accused, humiliated, stripped, beaten, choosing to give up even his own life on the cross for us. There is a kind of daily dying that disciples go through. It's an unavoidable, necessary part of being a Christian. We must offer our lives as living sacrifices devoted to God. 
we have sinful desires, maybe sinful ambitions that we have to kill. Those bits of us die every single day. And if the one we followed was rejected, then we should expect the same. Let's bring this first point together. Um, The first person who can't be a disciple says, I won't carry my cross. Let's have a specific example of this. Um, Dave used to go to church, but now he's only coming occasionally. Family life was always a challenge to his faith. He'd fit in five minutes of prayer and Bible reading in the car park after dropping the kids off. Uh, He'd try to turn the conversation with his wife to Jesus, even though there are a million things on their to-do list. He would try holding his ground where his kids wanted to do other things on a Sunday morning rather than go to church. But sometimes he would tire of saying no. Fair enough, like that all sounds tough, but at this point Dave is still struggling. He's still carrying his cross. However, Dave stopped struggling and put his cross down. He stopped trying to find time to read his Bible. He didn't speak about faith at home anymore. He let the kids take first place. Though he wouldn't say it out loud, what he was saying was, I won't carry my cross anymore. Struggling is fine. Carrying a cross is hard. Sometimes you're going to drop it. You're going to stumble. It's going to hit you on the toe and you're going to suppress a swear word. But a true disciple will always pick that cross up again. The second person who uh, can't be a disciple says this, I didn't count the cost. The second person who can't be a disciple says, I didn't count the cost. Verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. The scenario here is about building a tower without a budget or an accountant. Jesus is probably talking about building a watchtower where someone could look out over a vineyard to maintain its security. The project is started, the labor begins, the foundations are laid, and then work grinds to a halt. The money's run out, there's nothing left to pay pay the laborers, there's nothing left to buy materials, everything stops. It's embarrassing. Maybe in the early days, this person had boasted to his friends, look at this watchtower that I'm building. It's such a good investment for my vineyard. I'm going to grow so many more grapes. I'm going to be so much more secure in this. But now those same friends have got those sickening smirks on their faces. Like, what are you doing? I thought you were building a tower, not a swimming pool. Where's the rest of it? It's embarrassing. How would you feel if you started putting in a new kitchen and then, uh, told all your friends about it, and weren't able to finish it. Jesus uses this picture to build on what he's already said. If being a disciple means carrying your cross, if 
being a disciple means shame and sacrifice in that way, then we need to reckon with this cost right from the start. Jesus is no second-hand car salesman who hides hidden costs in the small print. He's completely up front, both with the crowd there and with us. What's the cost of being a disciple? Carrying your cross every single day. There's no defense if we fail to reckon with this cost. If the negligent tower builder uh, was considered a failure for not completing the project, how much more if we were to start off our walk with Jesus and give up and not finish? Did we really expect an easy ride? Here's the second person that can't be a disciple, and uh, we'll make this specific. Claire has been coming to church Uh, ever since an outreach event six months ago. She loved the message of God's grace and his forgiveness in Jesus. She was attracted to the welcoming, generous people that she met. Um, After the final session of exploring Jesus, she even prayed with her Bible study leader to accepting the Lord Jesus as her savior. Wonderful, great. But six months later, she started to realize the cost of following Jesus A colleague called her a bigot, and one of her friends kind of froze her out because she wasn't fun anymore. And that was it. She didn't realize that this was part and parcel, par for the course for being a Christian. And though she didn't stop believing, she concluded that the price of following Jesus was far too high. I didn't count the cost, she says. Have you? What matters is not necessarily how you start, but how you finish. That's the true sign of being a genuine disciple. And the final person who can't be a disciple, um, I promise you there's some good news coming, um, but uh, Jesus uh, delivers these words in this way, and so we should be faithful to that and trust he knows what he's doing. Um, The final person who can't be a disciple says, I won't give up everything. I won't give up everything. Verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. At first glance, this just seems to be a different illustration making the same point as the previous one. Um, The first person needs to count his money before um, starting on the building project. This king needs to count his troops before fighting in a battle. But if that were the only point, then why does Jesus kind of continue the image to talk about Uh, sending a delegation and making peace. And if the point is still about counting the cost, then why is Jesus' conclusion in verse 33 on a completely um, separate uh, subject? If it's not just about counting the cost, what is going on here? Well, 
the one king realizes that he's completely outmatched by the other king. Um, picture him looking out of his uh, fort, his barricade, and he can just see the enemy army massed against him. He looks back and sees his own troops behind him and realizes, I've got no chance. There's two of them for every one of us, completely outmatched. There is nothing he can do. So what's the only option? He surrenders and makes peace. He allies himself with the more powerful king. He realizes that he can't hold on to his kingdom. He has to completely surrender. He'd be silly to do anything else. And Jesus follows that uh, section with the words that we, we read a second ago. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Do you see the connection? When facing a more powerful king, surrender your kingdom. When facing the most powerful king, surrender your kingdom. You don't want to be an opponent of God. That's not a good place to be. You are completely outmatched. So give up your crown. Give up your personal kingdom. Give up your everything and ally yourself with him. Jesus says those who refuse to do so cannot be his disciples. So here's the third specific person that can't be a disciple of Jesus. Um, Simon has been a church member for many years. He knows his Bible and he loves serving in different areas of church life, but he also loves to be in control He's used to being in charge, and he doesn't like being told what to do. And this will come out in subtle ways, so he'll occasionally send an email to the preacher saying, I'm not sure that um, pointed application was necessary or appropriate. And though no one else knows this, there are dark corners in his life where sin reigns completely unchallenged. Though most haven't noticed... Simon hasn't ever really surrendered to Jesus as Lord. He's still holding on to his own crown. He wants to be the one in charge. He still wants to be king. In effect, he's saying, I won't give up everything. Following Jesus, being a disciple, means surrendering our crowns. It means accepting him as Lord. He is the one on the throne not us. Unless we recognize that, we cannot be disciples. So there are the three people, the three people that can't be disciples of Jesus. The first says, I won't carry my cross. The second says, I didn't count the cost. And the third says, um, can I remember? Uh, I won't give up everything. And Jesus ends with a final warning for those people. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, salt was a very useful thing back then, but if that very useful thing suddenly becomes useless, there's only one uh, place for it to go. 
thrown out. If we ourselves end up saying those three things, I won't carry my cross, I didn't count the cost, I won't give up anything, then there is only one very similar destination for us. That is the cost of being a disciple, carrying a cross, putting Jesus first, counting that cost and giving up everything. But as we finish, let's just think about whether that cost is worth it. Because we're trying to answer the question, are you sure you want to be a disciple? Here's what I think we should take away. In this life, we don't get to choose whether we sacrifice or not. That's not a choice that is open to us. The only choice we have is what we will sacrifice to. Um, I sometimes think that my life would be a lot easier if uh, I wasn't a Christian. But actually, in reality, I'm not sure that's true. I'd just end up sacrificing my time and my money and my efforts and my family to some other goal. The only question we have before us is, what is the most worthy object to sacrifice to in this life? Walking this costly discipleship, and I do think it's, I know it's worth it to follow Jesus. Though it is hard, it is so much better than sacrificing to um, building a big bank balance or uh, having the perfect family or having the perfect career. Why? Because walking this costly discipleship road means we get to be with Jesus. We get to be with him. There is a kind of fellowship in our suffering, where when we go through tough times, Jesus comes near. And we know that he has been through those same tough times, and there is a warmth, a closeness, when we go through that difficult period. Also, walking this costly discipleship road is what Jesus has done for us. So we might carry a cross by accepting some kind of rejection at work or in family, but but Jesus carried the cross, and that meant accepting the rejection of his father, taking the price for all of our sins so that we might be accepted and welcomed in his kingdom. Uh, Jesus um, had to say no to his family here on earth. They rejected him and thought nothing of him before his resurrection, even thinking him mad. Um, For Jesus, walking this discipleship road meant counting the cost you know, am I going to go to earth and live this life and die on a cross for people like us? He counted the cost and decided, yes, it is worth it. And following uh, this discipleship road for Jesus meant giving up absolutely everything. Said it last week, but he made himself nothing, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Walking this costly discipleship road is what Jesus has done for us already. And finally, and of course, as we've been seeing from Luke chapter 9, verse 51 onwards, walking this costly discipleship road leads to heaven. Yes, it goes via the cross, but that is not the final destination. In the end, we will be with Jesus in perfection forever. Let's pray. Father God, these are tough words this morning. 
we see the cost of following your son. And we pray that you would equip us to do so. Please help us not to shy away from difficulty. Please help us not to pursue simply a life of ease. Please help us to walk closely after our Saviour. Father, we thank you so much that he has walked this path ahead of us. Thank you that he bore the cross and took the blame so that we might be yours. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.